The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper from Be More, Achieve More, uh, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. And uh, today, we're going to talk about running on empty, how to gain success from failure in business with my guest today, who is Peter Roper. Um, so welcome to you all, um, for, and thank you for listening to the show again, and, and do keep your feedback coming on the show, because it's always appreciated. But you know, there have been a number of people who have experienced business failures on this show so far. And they described you know, some of the psychological and the financial impacts of them and, and how challenging it is. However, in many cases, there have been some incredible lessons learned. And I wanted to have a show today when we're looking at some of the lessons that people have learned when they've faced adversity and, and business failure and how they've come out of it. Now, on the show, um, only a few weeks ago, we had Jim Beach. And Jim talked about, you know, at one stage, being $10 million in debt. And amazingly, he resolved that issue within two years. We didn't go into great detail there um, with him, but he did do that. And, and he also described, which is interesting, how in the United States, business failure is often seen as a positive. In fact, it's almost a rite of passage in the development of entrepreneurial wisdom. Whereas over here in Europe, it can be perceived very differently and reputations may be tarnished. Now, I've not personally experienced debt except as a, a student living in damp accommodation on pizza, baked beans, and beer rations many years ago. However, if I can avoid it and help you avoid it by learning the painful lessons from those that have been there, then this has to be a good thing. As the wise words of a friend uh, once uh, uttered to me, I do these things so that you don't have to. So if we've got some guests who've done these things so that we don't have to, then I think that's got to be a great thing. Now, I met our guest today, Peter Roper, a couple of years ago when I'd, I'd heard about Peter and I traveled 80 miles one morning to hear him speak. It was at a 7 a.m. breakfast meeting and it was worth it. At the meeting, we struck up a rapport afterwards and I was really grateful for some valuable words of encouragement and advice that he gave me. It was clear that he had lots of wisdom. Um, however, it was only recently that I began to appreciate where some of that wisdom came from. For two decades, Peter had a very successful corporate career. From 96, though, he, you know, he went on to establish four new businesses of his own, two of which he says have been fantastic failures. Unfortunately, two others which have been stunning successes. During his career, he's spoken to over 400,000 people 
um, in a, a number of countries, and he became the national president of the Professional Speaking Association in 2009 for a year. And today he remains on their board and he's accredited with the fellow status, which is the pinnacle of the profession. And he's the author of several books, including the bestseller, and Death Came Third, which is the definitive guide to networking and speaking in public. And it was written with uh, a previous guest from this show, actually, I believe, Andy Laparta. In April 2006, Peter, the best-selling author, the man who outwardly seemed to have everything, was in for a surprising change of circumstances. In only a few short months later, he had to start again completely from scratch. However, he turned it failure into success and he's written a book called Running on Empty to share his experience and to raise funds for a charity that's very close to his heart, the Samaritans. Today I know Peter's going to be brutally honest about the challenges he faced in business, the effect it had and more crucially what to do if you face the same situation. He's going to share the must-know conclusions that he's drawn from his experiences and the golden rule that he applies to business in his, this decade. Welcome from Worcestershire in England, uh, Peter Roper. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, let's start, Peter, by explaining what you mean by running on empty. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good one. In fact, on the front cover, you'll see a, a, a picture of a very long road and, and thunder and lightning all over the place. Simple, really. Uh, I, I was going through financial challenges, as you said. Uh, the truth was that I'd, I'd invested in uh, a bunch of businesses and made some very, very uh, bad mistakes with it for, for a number of reasons. And I got a letter one day, and the letter was from uh, the Inland Revenue, from the tax inspector, saying that he wanted an awful lot of money out of the blue, and he wanted it straight away. And anybody that runs their own business knows that cash flow is king. And at that minute, we've got lots of business coming in, uh, but the cash was coming in behind it. So I was very upset to receive the letter. And at the time, I was doing quite a bit of running, and I was so upset. I've been chasing uh, very, very hard, very, very fast in a debt trap. Uh, and I literally ran out in a, a major storm, and uh, I got about three or four miles outside of the village where that we lived at that time. And the lightning was coming down, and I shook my fist at the sky and said, well, if you want me, you come and get me. And I was very, very serious at that point, because I felt I was running on empty. And what I really meant with that was that simply, you know, I had nothing left in terms of uh, the, the way that I was working. And at that, as you can tell, the, I didn't get struck by lightning, and uh, I'm still here today. I ran around the corner, uh, and there was this wall of water that hit me from a, a, a pool of water on the main road as a bus went through took me off my feet, put me in a hedge. I felt very sorry for myself. Then I started laughing because I could hear my long since uh, uh, gone father saying, get up, son, and get on with it. Uh, and from that second on, I did. Life got tougher. Uh, but I never had that empty feeling in quite the same way as I had for, the, for those sort of 30 minutes or so. That's where running on empty came from. So it was almost a, you know, a life-changing moment there. You know, was it a? It almost sounds like a, a religious experience. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm. I'm not particularly religious. I don't have a strong faith, but uh, undoubtedly there was something going on. I'm not quite sure what. It was my moment where uh, I had to make some choices in life, and I made the choice to face it because up to that minute, I wasn't facing front to it. I was actually running away from it. 
what I've found since is that's what an awful lot of people do. Uh, and I realized that I had to, to, to face the challenges we had, which meant uh, only a, a few short weeks later I was in a court where I thought we could sort things out. I honestly believe we could. Uh, and I walked out 35 minutes later. You know you know the story, Chris. We've talked about it at length. Uh, and I walked out bankrupted, lost a lot, and had to start again. And um, uh, the main thing was that I had to face up to it. The tough thing is facing up to the situation you're in and then moving on with it. And, and that's what Running on Empty is about. That's the reason why I wrote the book, because so many people are currently in that position. Uh, and I wanted them to learn from my mistakes so they didn't have to go through the stuff that I went through. And, and what's that, Peter, when you, when you sort of describe that? Is, is it about facing up to it, you know, maybe quite a long time in advance of the court as such? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, the, the background, as you said, of my corporate career was I was very successful in corporate career and I set out on my own. The truth was I hit 40 at the time. I didn't believe it, but actually it was true. <laughs> I hit 40 and wanted to do my own thing. Uh, and it worked very well, but I had corporate thinking in my head. And if you have 20-odd years worth of experience of corporate training, corporate uh, running a business, and I knew how corporate businesses run, that's what I used to do. I applied the same logic and principles to my own business and you know what, it's not the same. My accountant told me that it took me nine years to get my head really around it. Now that might seem strange to some people and perhaps it is, but uh, what I'm saying is it takes a long time to unlearn some principles that you learn in corporate business which mean absolutely nothing to you running your own business. And I've met many, many people have gone through exactly the same process and, and they all nod and when I'm speaking they all look at me and go I guess I know exactly what you mean I understand it took me a long time to get past it uh, and uh, I guess that was part of my challenge that uh, I was used to dealing with lots of zeros and big accounts and all that sort of stuff and I didn't treat my own finances with the same respect more importantly I didn't treat the relationships of dealing in, in uh, your own business and with other suppliers and with partners, etc., particularly with other business partners, which is where I went, I particularly fell foul. Uh, and um, I didn't apply the right logic, I didn't apply the right learning to that process. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, for me, I found as well going, I think my, my history is a little bit like yourself from big corporate jobs, and, and it is so different, isn't it, when you suddenly have the entire responsibility yourself and you're you're managing this small enterprise but you it's almost in a, a corporate you're partly doing it in a bubble um yes. and there was so much uh, so much to learn and suddenly you have to be good at everything <laughs> yes yes and, yes and the reality is is you can't be no so so you have to fill some of those some of those uh, gaps yes so what um what was it like psychologically then you know, to downsizing to, to pay off your debts. We've got a couple of minutes before we go into a break. So okay. Well, I, I suppose in the, the, the simple answer is it was tough. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, my family basically had grown up at that point. Uh, you know, saw us go from a, a very large house in a very nice area with all the trappings that went with it, the cars and all that stuff. Uh, and we went into, into something much smaller. We sold an awful lot of things. Uh, we now live in a much smaller place. We, you know, we found we didn't need what we used to have. But yes, it was tough. It wasn't. And, and, you know, it, for me, it was tough to see my wife 
suffering through my own misfortune, my own, my own misunderstanding. Uh, and that's the thing that was far more important to me. And uh, uh, I had a, a conversation with my three children who are you know, all grown up and run, you know, we run our own family business these days. And it's a salutary lesson when you have your three children ask you to come into the lounge and look at you and say, here's some cash. And uh, that will keep you going for a bit. Uh, and uh, the look, they gave me a look of sort yourself out. Now that was a much, much tougher thing to take than ever seeing you know, big cars become small cars, older cars, small houses. That to me was a far more tougher thing to face. But of course it made me stronger. It also made the family much closer and much stronger. And for that I'm really grateful. That's, that's the big thing that actually we got from it. Wow, because I know it's pretty. It's pretty hard for parents to even take advice from the children, but to you know take cash. That must be a, a tough moment. Yes, it was. It was very tough. It and, uh, uh, it's something I had to go through, and I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. But if you're meant to go through it, it is. It, it makes you look at life in a very different way. People say that I am a very different person to what I was in 2006, and it's true. I am a very different person in some ways. Thank you, Peter. We're going to go to commercial break now, and we'll be back again very shortly. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, tune in to In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner. Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper back again with uh, my guest today, Peter Roper. And, and just before the break, we were talking about running on empty and Peter's experience of, um, of business failure and how that, how that felt really. Um, so just sort of, um, sort of moving a little further with that, you know, how did you then cope with this major personal knock? How did you start to get over it, Peter? Well, I suppose there's two things, really. One I've already mentioned, which was family. It was the family that made it for me. They're, they're the ones that helped me get myself out of it. I felt very sorry for myself for a while. And uh, uh, it was family that made the difference. My real, we were always a close family anyway. It just made us closer. I suppose that the, 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 the glib answer is, is that we're British, Chris, and you know the stiff upper lip that the Brits apply uh, and uh, you know, you just get up and get on with it. You know, I you know, I would think of my father, who would say, "Just get on with it, son." And I realised that's what I had to do, and that, and that's what you do. And what I found with many people in the same position, and it's not just in this country, obviously it's worldwide, is you just get on with it, uh, because the alternative is to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, so absolutely, and uh, that is a very, very British mentality. We've been doing it for many years. So, so what? Um, I, I know Peter that you. One of the things that you did do at that time, which I, I guess must have helped, was that you did some actually did some voluntary work as a debt counsellor. Yeah, that's true. And I, actually, to be fair to what the, the answer to our, the question that you just asked me, uh, it did make a difference. I was walking past uh, a labour exchange, which I'd never been to in my life before. And I thought, well, I better check out anything that I can to generate cash. And I walked in there, and there was a, a card in there that said, uh, uh, there is no money with this, but you could be a licensed debt counselor and help other people. And I thought, well, <laughs> I certainly know something about that situation. And uh, I did join that business. So, you know, we started, well, I started a new business uh, anyway. And then my evenings and weekends in my free time, I became a licensed debt counselor where I went into houses across the country, all over the country I was traveling. Uh, going into people's homes, uh, helping them to, to put their lives straight you know, through my experience, if you like. And they, they could see in my eyes that I was very serious about what I was talking about. And uh, what I found was that debt has no interest in where you come from, what your background is. You know, Either you're in debt or you're not. Uh, and uh, I met a lot of people who we managed to help in many ways, which was great. I, I think over the year, you know, I've on a Saturday evening, I would be driving back from somewhere many, many miles away from home. I'd phone my wife up and she'd say, how many people have you helped today? And I'd say two or three and then I'd drive home. And that did help me. It helped me set my own uh, uh, face with it, if you like. The last person that I helped was in a, an area of London that you wouldn't want to go to in the daylight, daytime, really. I really didn't know if my car would be there when I got back. And uh, I met a lady in a, a, a squalid one-bed bed, one bed sit with a son that was unfortunately into drugs and drug culture. Uh, she had a husband who had left her and had also left her with HIV. And I couldn't help her with regarding her son or the challenge with her husband. But uh, he'd left her in a lot of debt and we managed to help her with that. I phoned my wife up and said, that's the last one. Uh, and so I did that for about a year or so. And I, I met many, many nice people. And what I really learned was that there are an awful lot of nice people in this world. It's unfortunate they just didn't get the right advice or took the wrong turning when it came to finances and put themselves under terrible pressure. Uh, and there are ways to get around it. There are ways to do it. But most of all, what I used to do by sitting there was help them to face it. And if you like, help them to face it in a way 
I'd faced it with the lightning coming down when I was running on empty. It must have been a very sort of humbling experience. Yeah, very. Uh, I, I, it makes you realise how small you really are, and it makes you realise that uh, of the important things in life, uh, and 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 not of the 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 trappings, if you like, of success that you get at whatever level of success it is. You know, it doesn't have to be, I don't know, Donald Trump sort of level or Alan Sugar level or, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, whatever level of success you have in your life, the, the, the important thing is, is not around the financial stuff. It's all about your family and those that are close to you. Uh, and therefore, yes, of course, you need to earn money to survive in, the, in, in these times. But you have to learn some salutary lessons when it comes to business of applying those lessons to running a business in a way that will work for everybody. So, so you know, what is it, have you got any uh, sort of quick uh, you know, advice for people if they're in debt at the moment or they're you know, struggling or concerned about finances? Yeah, um, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Go and talk to somebody. Go, you know, obviously, this is being broadcast uh, around the world. So... Uh, what I would say is go to a debt counsellor, go to somebody that will give you some sensible advice that is recognised uh, as not only uh, experts in their field, but they're not there to try and sell you a load of stuff. They're there to give you some solid advice. The, the internet can give you so much. It can help you. But the number one piece of advice really is, is that you have to face up to it. That, that's the real thing. You have to face up to it. One day when all the letters are coming in and, and phone calls are happening to you, you have to face up to it and recognize the fact that you know what, you need to sort it. And yeah. I, that, that's the principal thing. So what are the fundamental things people should be aware of from your experience when they're setting up a business so they don't find themselves in this situation? Well, yeah, it's, it's a really great question, Chris. And I, I think the, the simple answer, uh, so many people at the minute particularly coming from corporate land and they're looking at franchising, they're looking at agency, they're looking at setting up it themselves, and people will say to them, look, you've got lots of experience. And the answer is that they probably have. And they probably look inside their portfolio of experience and say, I, I, you know, I'm going to be a consultant or something, which is fabulous and, and welcome you know, to, to uh, running your own business. But go and check out and find out the stuff you really don't know. Go and talk to people who already run their business and ask them the key things they wish that they, they knew when they first started their business. Because that's when you'll get the golden nuggets of advice. Go and buy somebody a lunch. Go and buy them a breakfast. Go and talk to them before you set up if you've got the opportunity to. And find out from them what it is that they've learned. Every time I've stood up uh, and spoke about running on empty, I've had business people come up to me and say, do you know what? Uh, and they've been in business for many years. They'll come up and say, do you, do you know what? You're so right. If, you know, here's my experience of what went wrong. That's why I'm running podcasts with people and saying, what did you get wrong in business? Uh, as you know, Chris, from our, from our website. Uh, and they've all said the same thing, which was, if only I'd asked. And again, the British culture tends to be that we don't ask. And, and so if you can ask people and say, what is it that you learned? Looking back in your business career, you wouldn't do or you would do. What is it? You can save yourself a lot of heartache, effort, and money. Yeah, yes. I, I was sitting in a room yesterday with my uh, uh, Achiever Program group, and you know, some of those people have been five years uh, since they left you know, corporate. There's one or two still in corporate and look at developing themselves. 
to be sort of shining stars in those in those organisations as though they're running their own business within it. But um, you know, we're all in, in that room. Even myself, who's facilitating it, we're just still learning that transition between having uh, corporate jobs and then running our own businesses. Uh, and and I'm learning every day still. So yeah. you know, it is a uh, wherever you can get advice, it's uh, a good. Appreciate. I know when I came to you, Peter, you gave me some advice when we first met, and that was appreciated. So, uh, yeah, buy Peter breakfast. <laughs> if you meet I have to him. watch my waistline. If you meet him. <laughs> no. Excellent. <laughs> now, you, t- you were talking um, about the challenges of, of talking with others, and, and this seems to be really important to me. And, and something just kind of comes to me around, there's a film, and some of you may have seen it or, or heard of it. And it was called The Full Monty. It was a very big British film. And I can remember, Peter, one of the characters was actually pretending to his wife to be going to work every day when, in fact, he'd actually been made redundant and getting his clothes on and uh, walking out as though he was going to the office. Now, I just wonder from your research, how do different sexes and nationalities view this kind of sharing around challenges because as you've probably identified, the British often have a kind of stiff upper lip and, you know, don't talk. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think if you look at the, from the process of the different sexes, the difference between male and female, how they look at these things, uh, on a number of occasions, I don't buy into the principle that women look into things differently than men. But I do in this situation, definitely. Uh, and that is women generally are far better they're far more sensible with it, about money. They're far more sensible at st- uh, standing up and saying, hang on, I've got a problem. What have I got to do to sort it? And uh, I think there are a lot of men, and particularly generationally, I think, you know, I'm 55, 56 in July. I think generationally, you know, uh, people, guys in their 40s, 50s, and 60s were, were taught to, that they should sort the money things out, etc., and be the man and all that sort of stuff. I'm glad to say that I think more so generationally 20 and 30-something men are far more realizing, are far more rounded as individuals. But women generally will face up to things much faster, be far more sensible about it, and they'll talk about it. That's the principal difference. Men will tend to bottle up and not talk about it. I, I don't want to generalize too much, but to me, uh, you know, if it's a man in this situation, the, the thing he should do if he has a female partners to talk to them. You know, yeah. I think that makes just a huge difference. You know, I didn't talk to my wife early enough. It was my, one of my biggest mistakes. And uh, it's, again, something that I'll regret. But it's, you know, it's, what's done is done. Uh, I put envelopes you know, in a drawer and didn't look at them. That's why when I went into uh, people's houses, I knew exactly what they were doing and exactly how the phone calls were because I, I'd done it myself. You get into a trap and you start doing things you would never, ever ordinarily do um, and I would say that the difference between men and women women are far more likely to face it and face it quicker mm. so we've got a couple of minutes until I know we've got a minute till the commercial break but we'll, we'll maybe continue this question on after the break as well but I just wonder if you've got some lessons on working with business partners <laughs> well you, you and I could have a conversation about could. this for a week couldn't we Chris? we could <laughs> yeah. so, uh, in short I would say be very, very, very careful who you work with. We're, um, as a family, we're a very trusting family. I've always been that way. And I have to say that uh, working with business partners, uh, whether they're family or whether they are people that you know, uh, can be extremely challenging. 
And although life can be very good when life's going well, when life gets tough, then it can be a very big challenge. So I would say in very short order, the information I was given by my accountant all those years ago was, are you sure you want to do partnership? And uh, of course you're in a happy mood because life's going to go well. So you don't really think about it, where of course they see the other side of it. And that little phrase, are you sure? I should have listened to, but the little voice in my head had ignored it. Great. Well, let's chat a little bit more about that after the commercial break. So we're just going over to our next commercial break. We'll be back again shortly. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, Where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper again, and we're talking about running on empty with, uh, with Peter Roper. And just before the break, we were talking about something I think is really, really important, and that is about business partners and um, selecting them carefully. And I think Peter was saying, you know, that his accountant was saying, do you really want partnership? So I know that uh, this is one of the key fundamental lessons, Peter, that you've, you've had from this experience. And I think there are about five or six, and there's more in the book. But let's um, maybe start with this one. Let's talk about um, a little bit more about business partners. And I know you also use the word sharks. So just um, <laughs> might want to explain that while you're going yeah, as well. There are kinds of sharks. In fact, my youngest daughter was very upset with me when I said, beware of swimming with sharks. Uh, but it was, it's to get people's attention, I guess, at the end of the day. When it comes to partnership, I, and you say there's 37 different things that I've put into the book, but people pick up on this one a lot. And that is that 
Uh, to me, there's probably three types of what I would call shark. In other words, people potentially you could be doing business with. And the first one are the obvious sharks. They're the people that, that ain't the obvious, that when you're talking to them, uh, they're in it for themselves. They are not interested in you. And you know full well that any relationship would last five seconds. And it, it, that they're very obvious. And you know what? You're unlikely to get fooled by them. Friendly sharks are a bit more awkward in that they're probably very good. They, you know, they're very believable. They're very good with uh, uh, people skills, and uh, they can seduce you quite nicely. But again, after a while, if you check them out a little bit, you realise that uh, you know it's voice over substance, if you like. The ones that are dangerous are the uh, sharks that you know extremely well. They're the they could be family. Moreover, and more likely, they're people you've known in business, perhaps for many years. You get to know them well. You get to know their family well. You get, to, you know, you, may, you might go on holiday with them. You might have, you know, go away for weekends, do whatever it is, you know, go to the, have a drink, etc., and get to know each other very, very well. And you think they know you, and you know them very well. And when life's good, life's okay. But when the chips are down then there's a side to them that you don't see. And then all of a sudden you realize that actually they were just the same as the other two pairs of sharks. They were absolutely in it for themselves. They were probably coming into business purely for cash. And the biggest thing I've found is that if you start a business purely for the money, it's likely to fail. So therefore, if you've linked with somebody who has that, that thought process, you're going to fail. It's just a question of when as opposed to putting a business together because it serves people and makes a good job. Yes, of course, you want to make money from it, but the making money is not the driving factor. Does that make sense? It makes sense enormously to me because, uh, I, as we know, you know, that I've kind of been there. I've been in a, my first business after the corporate world was very focused on money. It was more focused on the pot of gold than painting the rainbow. Uh, and... Uh, and I went uh, into business with three partners and, you know, the... That eventually came to an end for me, and it was very, even the business was incredibly sex successful at generating money, but it was starting not to sit with my ethics. Um, but what was particularly painful about it was that I, the, I went into business with some very good friends, and um, our relationship consequently um, you know, suffered from that situation, and, and that was just so painful. It was doubly painful because of those relationships, I think. Uh, I totally understand, Chris, and, and certainly the situation I found myself in, particularly yeah, with the two occasions where we really had challenges, which caused all, all my then challenges. But the reason uh, I had a problem in terms of uh, funding bankruptcy, etc., was because of the fact I put money into businesses, went into partnership with them, but I stood behind the debt personally, as opposed to standing behind the debt for, through the company. Now, again, that's something that you learn, which was it was a really dumb thing to do. But I honestly thought it wouldn't be a challenge. Here's the thing. The word you hit there was, was values. And it's the value sets that, that, that are the real essence to this. Fundamentally, when the chips were down, you, I'm sure you realized, as I did, that the value sets of the people that you, that you saw you knew were actually fundamentally different to your own. And that's where the challenge kicks in. So you have to know somebody very, very well. People say to me, why is it that you're so happy working in a family business now? And of course, the answer is, is because we have the same value set. Mm. 
Do, do, do you find that with uh, you know, the kind of father-daughter relationships bring another dimension um, of the family relationship uh, compared to maybe somebody that he can just be a little bit more distance from? I just wonder if there's a, a different dimension to that. Yes, yes, there is. Um, there is times when, oh, excuse me, <coughs> um, when, when, yes, obviously it's a challenge because, you know, there are times with father, father and daughter where, where you, you will treat things slightly differently. It'd be interesting if you interview particularly my older daughter, Sarah Beth, who, as you know, uh, uh, runs our family business and very successfully doing it. Uh, she will say the thing is, there's no side to it. There's no agenda. There's no politics. We face situations. We might not agree. We sort it out. Um, <clears throat> we might agree to differ, but afterwards we're going to have a drink and we're, we're father and daughter again. And, and our value sets are the same, so therefore it's not the same challenge. And, and she would say that's the reason why she will never go into business with anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And, and do, you, I mean, do you have any advice in terms of how you might select somebody. Next, next interestingly, we're going to talk, um, um, we had a session uh, last week on values. This is very kind of fun fundamental. Um, but I mean, do you have any perspectives on identifying the right partners? Because sometimes it is better maybe to go in business, not just on your own, for those, those skill gaps that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think, I think, the fundamental, I would say, is that really, really, really take your time to get to understand the person you're with. Don't, uh, don't assume, you know, I, that's why the sharks that you know well are the ones that are most dangerous, because you make assumptions. If you meet somebody from scratch, you'll take the time and trouble to check them out. You've known somebody for a long time, you feel you know them. Well, you might know them from a friend perspective, but do you really know them from a business perspective? Do you really know what drives them personally as well as professionally? Do you really know and understand the people that are close to them, you know, their loved ones? Do you really know those things? Because it's those things that will really drive it. And, and therefore, if you haven't taken the trouble to really understand that, I mean, forget the business plan and all that sort of stuff. That's just business stuff. If you're working with somebody 24-7, 365, uh, you better really understand each other, and you better really like each other. You know, you might not necessarily love each other, but you better really like each other. Um, I always remember listening to people that were going off to walk to the uh, the South Pole, and they would be given some advice by Sir Ranulph Fiennes, who really knows his way around these things. And he said, very quickly, you will find out whether you like each other or not, and that's the difference between whether you stay alive or not. And uh, I think for business, that's a very good piece of advice. So maybe you need to go into the wilderness for a couple of days. On a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not me. No, no, I was, I was thinking something a little easier, but, but you, <laughs> I'll take your point. <laughs> I just think there's, a, there's you know, something that's come to me is actually maybe in selecting a partner, what you have to think about is how will that person behave when the chips are down, when things are tough? What yeah. is the behavioral trait that they will go into? And yeah. Uh, and would that uh, would that be you know caring, comforting, authentic, wanting the best, or would it be um, something different? Yeah, uh, uh, Chris, as, as you well know, don't forget that somebody's strength, when it's pushed to an extreme, can become a challenge, can't it? Yes. So if somebody is dynamic, tends to push, 
uh, go ahead, etc. Well, when life's tough, they can be too dynamic. They can push too hard. They can be too aggravated. You know, as a simple example. So. Um, you need to understand the people you work with, and the, the thing I find staggering, and my hand is up in a big way, is how little preparation in that respect we do when we look at starting a business or running a business. We're so excited with what we're doing, we miss what is actually the most fundamental of the law. I, I think I've said to you before we started recording, I'm reading Steve Jobs' book by Walter Isaacson, fascinating of the different partnerships he created in business over the years and how uh, some of those worked and some of those didn't. The ones that worked, I think, were where people understood each other. Not necessarily liked each other, but understood each other. Mm. Mm. I, I think that's yeah, an interesting, very interesting character, Steve Jobs, wasn't he? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I guess there'd be times where you'd uh, have to understand that sort of behavior and accept it and work with it. Well, I think the thing is, is that you, you know, Spectre. yeah. I mean, I think the thing with the business, is you've got to find out what inspires you, so that when life is tough or sometimes even boring, that you know you're still inspired by what you're doing. I yes. saw somebody this morning who had a big challenge with his business partner, started a new business. He's very inspired by the new business that he's running, and and surprise, surprise, it's it's growing like topsy because he's inspired by it, and he hasn't got the pressures of working with a business partner that frankly, was holding him back in a previous business. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go again to a commercial break, so we'll quickly cover off those some of those additional fundamental lessons when we return. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper again of Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. And we're talking about running on empty with Peter Roper. And before the break, we were talking about partnerships, Peter. And I know that there are some key messages and 
you know, key learnings that we really do want to leave people with, with today. And obviously they can find out a bit more if they want to want to read the book. So, you know, Peter, maybe you could start with, uh, with those points. Okay, well, uh, th- thank you for that, Chris. Uh, as you know, I, I do a lot of speeches on this. A lot of people come up to me, and particularly these are the three that people really do buy into and really go away and have a think about and do something with their life, which, of course, is the whole reason for doing the book. The first one is the one that makes people laugh because it's the most obvious one of the lot, which is financial advice is not obligatory, but it is essential. So here's the thing. you know, I did not involve my accountant early enough. If I had have done, I wouldn't have gone through that process. I had bad advice, which compounded the challenges I had. He would not have allowed that to happen, but of course, uh, you know, I was hiding this process, which was done. So, you know, if you're actually paying people to help you, accountants, etc., go and talk to them and talk to them early. You know, share that with them because guess what? They they have ways to help you. So, financial advice is not obligatory, but it is essential. The second one is share with those you love, and what I mean with that is. They already know that if you have you know, a close family, the family know that you've got problems in your business. And it, it doesn't do to hide it all from them. Uh, in the end, they know. They know it's a challenge. You know, one of my daughters you know, would say, if she was on this uh, program now, that she knew something was wrong, but she thought that she had done something wrong. Mm. Of course, in trying to hide the challenges, it made it worse. So share your challenges with those you love because guess what? Uh, they'll help you. There is no doubt that once I started doing that and we started working together as a family, life got a lot better. Not necessarily easier, but better. And the third one is the biggest one of the lot for me, and that is uh, I actually heard some lyrics from a a famous uh, US country and western singer called Vince Gill. I didn't know how big Vince was in the States, uh, but he has a song called uh, What You Give Away, and I heard the song, and it really struck a chord with me, literally. And it is what you give away that counts. And what I mean by that is that in business, it's not all about sell, sell, sell. It is about supporting and helping people. And the beauty of social media, the beauty of what we're doing right now, is that by sharing the information you have, by sharing the challenges, by sharing that information that you, you, the experiences, if you like, that you've had, guess what? It'll help other people. That's the reason why I wrote this book. That's the reason why. Uh, a year ago, my family said, Dad, it's time you shared this stuff. And so I share it from stage, and an awful lot of people will come up to me uh, and say, I can't believe you did that, because as you said earlier, in the UK particularly, and certainly in a lot of Europe, uh, it's not uh, seen as, uh, you know, as, as something in the, say, in the States where you, know, you need to fail first to understand where you are. And um, what I've found is that the more I give away this, this knowledge and this information, the more people are actually sharing back on our, our, our website. More and more podcasts are going out where people are sharing this information. And you know what goes around comes around. Uh, it may necessarily not get business for us, but you know what? So what? If it's helping people, why not do it? So for me, it's what you give away that counts that really matters. Well, it also, Peter, it gives you, you know, it gives you a good feeling, doesn't it? For me, for me. The things that have kept me going have often been the notes from people that have said thank you, and you know, exactly the, that. Yeah, the ex- exactly that, Chris. You know where you've inspired somebody and you've made a difference. That just means so much to people like you and I, doesn't it? Yeah, and and as you know, I've, I've spoken an awful lot, you know, over the years, not just on this, but on lots of other subjects. And it's lovely to get those notes. It's lovely to get the applause, but actually. 
Uh, I know full well by the looks on people's faces. Sometimes, you know, they they might just come up and say, "Thanks for that. That was very useful." I know it's done done something. I don't need them to tell me. I don't need them to thank me. I can see in their eyes it's done something, and that's all that really matters. Which is why I say it's what you give away that really counts. Fantastic, and I'm just sort of. I think there's some really powerful points there, and I think you've certainly got me thinking. You know, financial advice. I'm sure people out there who are paying accountants to do their books, you know, who maybe are, are concerned about cash, you know, for those accountants, they're going to be wanting you to stay with them and to keep um, providing business for many years. So I'm sure, you know, routes like that, you can get advice from those sorts of people for free. I know mine, mine is very helpful in terms of popping around and doing that. I guess it's just a question of asking, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They can't, if you don't talk to them, they can't help you. My accountant came with me to the, to, uh, the official receivers. Uh, he drove at his time, his expense. He put the fuel in the car and supported me. He didn't have to, but he did. And the reason why he did, because he's, you know, he's got the right value set, if you like. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I'd have tapped into that knowledge earlier, where could it have gone? Yes, yes. And, and that's amazing when you, you just ask a, a friend of... A good friend of mine who we had on the show uh, last year who um, was um, given an MBE from the Queen for his uh, actions in Bosnia and then found himself with um, being sort of, what's, it, what's the word, he, uh, he was arrested and accused of spying. Um, there was a le- legal firm who actually supported him for, for about 10 years um, and just supported him because they believed in him. And you know, that's just amazing really that uh, companies will do that. And it sort of goes against sometimes the brain that you know business is a, is a, a bad thing because it doesn't it brings a lot of lot of benefits and value. Um, so so Peter, your um your book you decided to donate this to the the funds from it to the Samaritans. You know what was the reason why why the Samaritans in particular? <coughs> well, we support a lot number of charities over the years, but when I went to the bankruptcy court uh, and the judge presided and etc. They um, asked me to go into a room which was uh, a grey desk and a black phone and they said I'd get a phone call from the receivers to sort things out and I was left in that room for about 25 minutes and the only thing that was next to the phone was the phone number for the Samaritans. Here's the irony, you couldn't dial out to get an outside line on that phone so I couldn't have spoken to them if I'd wanted to but it really did, you, know, you can't believe it. <laughs> But so I, I, I just felt that um, I wanted to support somebody uh, and, and I felt the Samaritans were the best route to do that. So all the profits go to that everybody buys the book from it. So, and that's the reason why. And uh, my understanding, having spoken to them yesterday actually, is that they're, they're going to promote the book onto their main website in the UK later on this year, which is, which is good. If it helps somebody, it's worthwhile. Fantastic. We've got a, a couple of minutes left till... Uh, the close. I just wonder if you got one more thing that you just wanted to leave people with. Do you, is there anything that from your book that you think? Well, I, th- I think. Well, the first thing, obviously, just to let people know how to get the book, if you like, which is um, we're just changing websites and stuff at the moment. But if uh, if you go onto my blog, I might just shout that out, which is running on empty the book. That's all one word. Running on empty the book. WordPress. Com. And on, uh, if you go onto that there, you will find there's a download which is free, which gives, I think it's a free first two chapters or something. 
Uh, so it gives some idea about the book, it gives the idea of the story uh, and some help. And uh, if people would like that, it's a freebie, they're very welcome to. Obviously, if you'd like to buy the book, just click on it and it goes through from there. So running on emptythebook.wordpress.com. Uh, positiveground.co.uk is our website, tells you more about our sorts of stuff. Answering your question, um, I would stick with it's what you give away that counts. I, I think one last thing really is support a charity. I've found we've always supported charities over the years. Uh, and um, if you support the charity for no other reason than to support it from a business perspective, again, it's amazing what happens. Some very nice stuff has happened since uh, you know, we started looking in business uh, and saying, okay, how can we support formally? Uh, and uh, you know, for no other reason than to do so. And uh, again, yes, it's a feel-good factor, but actually, it actually focuses you. And I think the number one thing is focus. It's about focusing on what it is that's really important to you. What uh, you know, to me, it was my family. Nothing else really mattered. And if you focus on that and then concentrate, uh, and then do the right things, you can financially pull yourself through. It's not the end of the world. It might seem like it at the time, but actually concentrate on those who are most important to you, and they'll pull you through it. Fantastic. Uh, th thank you very much, Peter. That was uh, fascinating having you on. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't normally, and Peter and I talk, I don't normally let people share uh, lots of information about books and that kind of thing on, the, on, the, on this show, but, you know, this book, all the proceeds are going to the Samaritans, and, and I think it's uh, fabulous that Peter's doing that. I think we should also put that link on my site as well. Um, thank you, So, you know, great, great stuff, Peter, and uh, thank you for being on the show. I uh, wish you all the best, and maybe we'll have you back again at some point which would be wonderful. So, um, My pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share everybody uh, the, the, the things that are in the book. And uh, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And, and for next week, we shall have um, a lady, Leslie Mateel. Um, Leslie is a very experienced uh, coach and mentor, actually the managing director of a very big uh, coaching business at one stage in her life, very, very well-known one, the Coaching Academy. And what she's going to do is share with us and talk to us about motivation. So um, look forward to speaking to you all next week. Um, have a, a fantastic week and do send any comments in to me at info at bemoreachievemore.com. I love to hear from you. If you want to find out more information about what we do, bemoreachievemore.com. Um, and feel also feel free to drop anything on Facebook and any communication is it's great to hear. And if you have any ideas for topics that you want to hear on this show as well, just get in touch. Have a fantastic week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 